Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hello and welcome to another episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, aka Emma Gunns. And in this episode, I popped around for a spot of afternoon putting the world to rights with the very fabulous Emily Johnston, who you may or may not know as Fashion Foie Gras. She has a very popular feed on Instagram. She has an incredible blog. She is somebody that I look to for fashion and basically her feed um, at Fashion Foie Gras on Instagram makes me feel very happy every time I look at it. I've got to be honest, she has one of the most captivating smiles you will ever see in your entire life. Um, I've heard people, friends of mine who've seen Tom Cruise, who've interviewed him or who've... um, seen him at press conferences and they say that when he walks into a room he'll look at the crowd and smile and it's like chic lightning you cannot take your eyes off it it's just so impactful and I feel like Emily has something similar going on um before I get into a little bit about why uh what we talk about I'm going to talk about my week now a lot of the time I will tell you that I've done something fabulous and I'm very grateful for that. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I saw Victoria Beckham the other day or oh, I went to this launch and I saw so-and-so and oh, I've been sent all these products and I've been trying them all and it sounds really fabulous and obviously it is. This week though hasn't been like that. It has felt like a real struggle. I feel like I've been wading through fog and I've woken up every morning pretty much this week with a headache. I've been grinding my teeth badly don't know why um and yeah I just felt a little bit like it was a bit harder just to sort of stay above board and the reason I'm telling you this is because I firmly believe that I am no one special my experiences are not things exclusive to me and if you are in the middle of one of those weeks or one of those spells in your life or if you've had them before Uh, I hope that you find comfort in the fact that you're not alone because that's what I always think. I think, Emma, you're nothing special. No, somebody before you has experienced this and they've come out the other side. So just hold on tight and, you know, keep your chin up. So that's one of the reasons why I'm telling you. The other reason is because uh, I put, I had some pictures taken recently to illustrate the fact that I'm a podcaster. So obviously I was wearing headphones and there was a microphone in some of the shots because how on earth would you know otherwise? But I hadn't really published them. They hadn't really gone anywhere. And so I made them into a nine square grid and put them on my Instagram feed. Because in a week when I was feeling really not that amazing, 
uh, I decided to take a moment and think about all the things that I'm really grateful for and the things that make me feel really good. And the thing that makes me feel really good is this podcast and you, my listeners, who are incredibly supportive and who send the best messages and who take the time to leave reviews. Like, it's a very wonderful thing that I'm able to uh, cling on to or just have. It's It brings me joy, is what I'm trying to say. So I put out this picture just to say thank you. And I think I wrote something like, thank you for all the reviews and messages, etc. I bloody love you all. I didn't intend to be thirsty. Um, thirsty meaning I didn't ex- intend to get anything back. I just wanted to say thank you because I felt very grateful for having this podcast and for having the people who support it um, who interact with me. And I got a heck of a lot of messages. There were some comments underneath the picture, but I also got some absolutely incredible DMs that really helped lift me up when I was feeling really foggy and like everything was a bit of an effort. And it could be the fact that the clocks have gone back. It could be the fact that the weather has changed. It could be hormonal, who knows, but I just wasn't feeling it on my A game. And you guys really helped lift me out of it as did Emily Johnston, fashion foie gras, because I went round to her house and I was like, dude, I'm really feeling a bit today. So we sat for about 45 minutes and just put the world to rights. And then we started recording and did it all over again. But in and amongst all of that, we also talked about her incredible blog, how she started it, why she started it, which is a brilliant story, actually, because when I started out in journalism... The first thing everyone ever said to me when I sent a CV or, you know, hi, could I possibly do work experience? The first thing that would come back was, what's your experience? What have you written? And it's really hard to get those things. So you were always at a disadvantage if you hadn't had any time on a magazine or you hadn't had a byline yet. So you ended up working for free a lot, or I certainly did. And so it was very interesting for me as somebody who sort of hammered on the magazine door for a long time to hear how she went about it. Um, And you'll hear that conversation in the show. We talk about um, Instagram, the realities of it, the unrealities of it. We talk about um, how to create a blog, how to create, how to find your tone of voice and how to and maintain your integrity and in Emily's situation where she obviously has a lot of brands who want to work with her how to manage all of those things and her insight was really really fascinating I loved love chatting to her we also talked about hangovers about traveling um yeah it was just it was all over the place in one of the best ways I think we just talked about loads and loads we talked about movies about how we are losing our imagination and apparently our memories stay tuned for that because that really shocked me and I've not been able to shake that it's been about when did I speak to Emily about four days ago and I still can't shake the thing that she said about memories it's just frightening so I'm going to urge you to if you aren't already I'm sure you are follow Emily and of course you know where you can find the links they're going to be in my show notes which are on emmaguns.com and they're also in the show notes on iTunes and wherever it is where you may stream or download this podcast if you want to get in touch with me, it's very, very easy. Pop over to emmaguns.com. There's a little envelope icon. Click that, a message box will come up and that comes directly into my inbox and I will do my level best to get back to you as quickly as possible. I respond to all messages personally. Sorry if it takes a little bit of time, but I will get back to you, I promise. Um, you can also DM me on Twitter. A lot of people have been getting in touch on Twitter. You can DM me on Instagram, where I tend to be a lot of the time. And my handle on Twitter and Instagram is at Emma Guns. And I would love to hear from you. It makes me so happy. So 
As I said, all of the links, everything that we talk about, everything that we can possibly send you a link to will be in those show notes. But for now, I really hope you enjoy my chat with Emily Johnston, aka Fashion Foie Gras. Hello, listeners. Instagram has come to life because before my very eyes, I am looking at Emily Johnston, otherwise known as Fashion Foie Gras. How are you, Emily? I'm fabulous, babe. How are you? I'm very cool because we've been sitting here having a chat about life everything haven't we <laughs> we've said it right <laughs> we've said everything yeah everything should be fine now listeners <laughs> we, we think we've cracked it yes yeah, so if you're feeling a very special vibe on earth right now it's because we have put the world together yeah we did all the right things we did or at least we'll try <laughs> it's been very awesome um I'm excited to talk to you because I feel because I do I mean I've met you but I do feel like you ha- you are one of those people who has an Instagram feed that makes me look at your life and think yeah that's cool (laughs) thank you (laughs) so the first question please and I'm sure this is like um pop bands being asked how did you get together but come how did you develop the name how did you come up with the name god you know that's so funny because I feel like over the years I've been doing it it'll be 10 years next year (gasps) have a party please uh, uh, we have to yeah I don't even know what I'm gonna do for that but anyway yeah it'll be 10 years next year and um I feel like I have two answers for how the name was developed. Okay. I have a PR answer <laughs> and then I have the real answer, which is far less romantic. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're being real here. So I'll share the real answer. I had written down fashion for I, I journal, um, or I used to before mm-hmm. I did the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an avid journaler and every morning, uh, and actually probably every night as well, I would write in a book scribbles of ridiculousness, um, that somehow made sense to me. And now looking back, I'm glad I had. And for this reason specifically, because for some reason, um, someone had said fashion, uh, fashion faux pas. And I thought they said fashion for ah. And so I wrote in a journal kind of funny fashion for and I drew a goose in heels. <laughs> and then when blogging was taking off in America, I had a lot of friends that were coming over here for fashion weeks and that were working in junior roles in the magazines in New York City. And we would go out for drinks and I would get to go to fashion week with them. And they were all kind of saying, hey, have you heard about this whole thing with blogging? And it's really coming together and it's allowing people that have no experience in the industry <laughs> to all of a sudden be a part of the industry. Um, and at the time, I was running a PR office for an auction house in London. Um, and my only way into fashion was through these people and I loved it and I really wanted to be a part of it and keeping in mind this is nearly a decade ago when nobody was making money doing Mm. blogging so the group of girls that came about in that year I think were a group of girls that wanted to be a part of the fashion world and the majority of them that are now some of my best friends Mm. had never done anything with the fashion world so we all kind of had that similar um adoration for magazines we all had subscribed to vogue from the you know we all say since the first day i could read you know (laughs) like i was basically in my crib with a copy of an anna wintour public you know i mean that kind of thing an anna wintour publication what was your favorite childhood toy the september issue yeah exactly (laughs) a cover with cindy crawford on it you know like but that was it's you know it's so it's so difficult to talk about the reasons that you got started now because I think 
most people will just think you're bullshitting them mm-hmm. truly mm. because it's now a career yeah it's something where you have bloggers in america that are making seven figure salaries um which is just you know you just wouldn't have believed that that could have happened but truly i i have to tell you that when we first started it was because we wanted to have some kind of voice in fashion mm-hmm. and these were a group of girls that were all on twitter at 3 a.m and talking about what's happening retweeting really having a conversation this is pre-instagram days mm. which if you can believe there was a world without instagram i can't even remember oh i know um and yeah i feel like i've rambled way too far no, no, no. what the name comes from but yeah i just it, it was a different time and and obviously the name was something um <laughs> that i think i probably would have put a little more thought into if I knew that I would be doing this for a career. But then I always think that if you put too much thought into it, it's a nonsense. Yeah. And actually that stops you being creative. So every time I've sat down to write a book, I kind of know what story I want to write. Yeah. But I end up getting stuck on, what should I call the heroine? Rather than just, <laughs> rather than just calling her Anna and getting on with it and changing yeah. it later. Yeah. I will be like, no, Anna doesn't really fit with it. She wouldn't be in Anna. And then I get really like method about it. And it, but it paralyzes me. It paralyzes my creative creativity. So actually to just go out and do it. And it's interesting what you say about having no experience. Like you don't have to have an experience, but you can still be a part of the fashion industry. Well, I say no experience. Okay. But the, the biggest thing that I will preach forever and a day is that I did have life experience. Mm hmm. Um, and I mean, as far as the education to do this in a way, I guess I was a little prepared for it. I, I saying that I have a degree in art history yeah, and, and obviously I was into aesthetically pleasing things <laughs> and I had an amazing career with an auction house where I was forced to write press releases in really short spans of time because we were selling all day and it was my job to make sure the press mm-hmm. knew about it. And I had to be really quick. Mm-hmm. I had to be very careful with my words. I had to manage the press. So I was on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. And I had this 10 years of knowledge behind me that helped me with that. And I think there's there's no way I would change that. Mm-hmm. There's no way that if I had started my blog when I was 18, I would be able to function with it today as I, you know, if I didn't have that background, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And my biggest frustration these days is the number of girls that I speak to who are 18 and they have 200,000 Instagram followers. And they're saying, I don't really feel the need to pursue a secondary education because you know what? I'm making a hundred grand on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to run a business. So wouldn't you like to know, like have a business degree, Mm -hmm. go to school. Obviously you can do this Mm -hmm. and you're not spending that much time on it. You know, you're doing it through high school. Why wouldn't you want to do it through university, but learn how to do the business end of it? Cause that's going to be the most valuable asset you can have. Well, exactly. And it's like on drag race, Shangela, if anyone watches drag race, (laughs) Shangela was a contestant, but she learned the business side of it. And she manages a lot of the Queens. Right. And that's how, that's the clever way to do it. Right. Can I just say, I love you even more for just bringing that into the conversation. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you know, you have a good friend one. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but but you're right. There is a there is a slight worry, and this is a much bigger topic that we could go on for hours. So let's just kind of keep it in a nutshell. Yeah. But there is a worry of a, an Instagram generation who are. It's just looks, yeah. and it's false reality. And there's very, obviously, you have no idea what's going on with those people behind Instagram. 
but what they're showing is a veneer and I do sometimes look at people and I think I worry that you you're perhaps aren't reading the books that I was reading when I was your age or all those things that you and I might take for granted in terms of like cultural references yeah but if you're living in your own bubble and all your cultural references remember that time I did that Instagram at the beach like that's that scares me or the whole phrase if it didn't happen on Instagram it didn't happen yeah as in if you haven't posted a picture it's not something that's you know even worth remembering and there I, I don't I really wish I can remember where I read this but I read a really scary fact one day that actually our memories are disintegrating because we're seeing everything through a screen and not actually with our own eyes so like when you're sitting somewhere and you're taking a picture like here's the perfect example okay mm-hmm. um when I was in Santorini <laughs> dropping that one in there <laughs> for work for work uh, when I was in Santorini the big thing there is like the sunset right sure and there are hundreds of people that gather and it's the most beautiful thing actually just seeing the people gather for this the the, the sunset mm-hmm. but there wasn't one person that wasn't behind a camera a camera phone mm-hmm. you know all these things and i had a guy um it was a press trip and the guy sitting next to me said put down your camera he said there you've taken the picture what's gonna, you know what's it going to do if you have a hundred more mm. live this experience because you will gr- regret it if you do not and so i put down the camera which you know i mean this is my job to make sure i capture that so i can share it with the world mm. um and really that has resonated with me that that is something i think about every time i'm anywhere that's spectacular i take a picture and then i put all the technology down because it's true and if that fact is true that uh, you know you're not going to retain these memories because you're looking through a phone or a camera i want to be able to remember that moment when i'm 85 yeah that's a that's frightening i just don't want a picture of it and you know what nobody's gonna be looking at my instagram when i'm 85 or dear god i hope i'm not still instagramming when i'm 85 (laughs) can we please have a change in the world before then (laughs) can you imagine no it's true and i i remember the first time i went to a rock what i only ever went to rock concerts really first time i went to a concert it was um the first one was in excess but i distinctly remember going to see aerosmith okay and all i I, almost in a panic state at the age of about 11 just thinking i don't want to forget any of this and i almost like (laughs) was telling my brain absorb everything i want to replay this later oh i love that and can you replay it no so but there's no <laughs> so it didn't work no, but I can still I can still I was like it was Wembley Arena I was on the left hand side of the auditorium I was like two thingamajigs up and I can remember the colors and yeah. so there are things that my brain has retained but even now when I go to a concert something will happen I'll just think don't ever forget this moment oh I love that so I hate it when you see people filming concerts I'm like why the sound will be tinny and horrible yeah I don't watch that. I don't watch YouTubes that have concert videos. Unless it's been properly produced. So I often, particularly when I've had a drink and I get home at a certain hour of the morning, I will watch um, Bon Jovi live in Moscow because that is (laughs) just off the chart. But that's a professional live... It's not mobile phone camera. (laughs) But can I just say that I love that your first concert was in excess and mine was New Kids on the Block. (laughs) I, I went through a phase of New Kids on the Block. I love John. I was a Joey girl. Really? And then I got taller than him, like, a year after I fell in love with him. You and saw the sensitive ended. side of Joey, and you were like... I saw, I saw the sensitive side of them all, really, but <laughs> I think for that one... Because, you know, so, here's the interesting thing, <laughs> Dear reader. <laughs> uh, dear listener. I feel... I married him? <laughs> no. I don't think a lot of people know I'm six foot two. 
I'm really six foot three, but I say I'm six foot two because it sounds better. And I put it on my dating profile and scored a guy that was six foot three. I was pretty sure he wouldn't respond if he's like, you're the same height as me. Um, and for me, like my celebrity crushes, they were all out the window. Because I found that website like shows how tall people are very early in the game. And I was like over six feet tall when I was 13. Wowzers. So if I was an American interviewer, my first question would be, did you run track? No, no. It's do I play basketball? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I was a competitive swimmer. You'll be fine, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was a, yeah, no, I was not, I was a singular sports person. I did competitive swimming and that's very much your own thing. Interesting. But yeah, so for me, everybody that was uh, like Tom Cruise, so in love with him. And then I found out I was seven inches taller and I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Maybe even more. But I love how I justified that the reason I wouldn't be with a celebrity is not because I wouldn't be with a celebrity, but because I was too tall to be with a celebrity. Well, I was in love with Chris Robinson from The Black Rose, like big time. And they were very like, not not underground, but like no one really knew of them. They were quite yeah. niche. And then I remember saying to my mom, because I did, I was like, well, I'll obviously marry Chris Robinson at some point obviously. in my life. And she was like, oh, darling, I think you're a bit too young for him. And then he married Kate Hudson. Oh God, yeah. He was younger than me. And I was like, well, thanks for that advice, mother. But clearly you were wrong. Like I was really quite cross with And I feel robbed because you lied to me and I had an opportunity. That Goldie (laughs) Horn didn't say to Kate that she was too young for him, did she? No, I bet she didn't. So yeah, I kind of, yeah. Age, height, I don't know. There are some good tall celebrities out there though. Uh, Yeah. Kid Rock. Jeff Goldblum. Did you really just say Kid Rock? I've met Kid Rock once. Yeah, no, you don't want to go naked. Okay, Jeff Goldblum, that would be amazing. Yeah, I sort of had a crush on him at one point. I think it was Jurassic Park. How Obviously random is that? Jurassic Park. And also Sam Neill. Until I saw Peaky Blinders, and I went right off Sam Neill. I haven't watched Peaky Blinders. You need yet. to watch that. You need to watch that. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Netflix. Basically, okay, this is how bad it's become. When I was, I've, I just got back from America. I was home for five weeks, and. Um, I was saying to my dad, I can never move home because I feel like you wouldn't understand that my creative process is very much fueled by my Netflix obsession. <laughs> so like, and I feel like you would judge me for spending so many hours in front of the television yeah, yeah. where really that is just motivating me and my creativity. <laughs> he was like, I don't think he was buying it. <laughs> no, I, I must admit when I'm in a creative flow, if I'm writing features or something, I have my iPad on in the office and I will have it on Hey You or yeah. Netflix and I will just have it on a loop just doing Real Housewives or something. Oh, yeah. Because it's like company, it's like being in an office. I'm not oh, watching yes. it. Finally, someone else who's, who understands the value of this. Yes. Because that is exactly why I do it. I am at the moment working my way through 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <gasps> I've just, well, I say I just started. Yeah. I went through a, a period of about two weeks and I did like four series. Yeah. Uh, and then I just watched an episode and I thought, do you know what? I'm I'm going to take a break from open heart surgery for a it's while. It's intense. 
But it's my background. Yeah. So I'm not really paying attention to what's happening. Occasionally, Meredith Grey is breaking into somebody's chest or something. But it's <laughs> it really is background noise. And I think if you've ever worked in an office and gone from that environment mm-hmm. to having nobody in the room with you, you need it. Otherwise, you'll go insane. Yeah. And sometimes I will be like, right, everything off. It Like, my brain needs complete quiet. Yeah. But the majority of the time, I need something. Yeah. Especially if I'm writing. If I'm mm-hmm. really trying to get something out that's not fluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I do write fluff occasionally. Um, you know, sometimes stream of consciousness is fine. You just get it out. But if I really yeah, I need to sit down, if I'm working with a brand that I want to make sure I'm giving them the best mm. possible description because they deserve it and I love them, then I'll turn everything off and I'll sit there and I'll just pound it out. But I can't, um, I really can't be in a room with no noise. I think I might be a bit ADD. Like, I mean, I, I have ADD, but I, I think it might be that kind of... But it's sense. But I think we're all conditioned for sensory overload. Yeah. So quiet almost makes us feel like FOMO or is is something broken because there should be something talking to it's me or pinging at me. Do you watch television and movies now? Not in a movie theater, but at home without your phone. In no way. Me neither. I'm always on my. I, I can't do one thing anymore. No, and. I re- I really try, but I watched Blade Runner, the original, this weekend because so I'd never good. seen it. So good. I found it quite slow. Really? But because I'm so used to... If that film was was remade now, it would be it would have a much quicker pace. Like, I was like, yeah. come on, Harrison. put the, like It just felt quite slow. Yeah. And so I ended up going to Wikipedia and looking at the plot and like reading a paragraph down because I was just getting like, where is this going? Okay, I know where it's going. I know what's happening next. No way. Which makes me a terrible person, but I'm very, very specific about the theatre, so I love going to the movies. Right. It's one of my favourite things. Yeah. I go on my own. Yes, hallelujah. Best thing ever. And Midday. Yeah. That's one of the... Do you <laughs> know what? the ultimate sin, but I love it. <laughs> one of my favourite things that was said to me when I said, after 10 years of being on the same magazine, a freelance friend of mine said, enjoy the free and freelance, and that means x y and z and one of the things she said was going to the cinema in the middle of the day and it's one of the greatest joys and so now particularly because i love my um marvel movies Mm -hmm. so ragnarok opens this week (laughs) and i have a freelance day on friday so i'm going to the first showing love it no twitter spoilers (laughs) okay just fanboys who will shut up well done yeah i love that (laughs) but you know what i think it's really funny that you mentioned the fast-paced movement of movies these days because i when i watched frozen for example i'm, I'm going disney here yeah sure. when i watched frozen with my nieces i really thought it moved so quickly mm. as in the storyline was like bomb 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 and it was just like yeah it, it kind of gave me a brain freeze a bit <laughs> and then I rewatched The Little Mermaid because I was like, you know what? We're going to do a throwback. We've watched mm-hmm. one of the new ones. We're going to go back and watch a classic. And The Little Mermaid was like such a leisurely pace. <laughs> and then I understand what you mean though because I was kind of like, okay, pick it up already, Ariel. Yeah. Like, let's get moving. <laughs> and then it was like, all right, this whole thing of you not being able to talk is dragging on and blah, blah, blah. And I, it was the first time that I noticed the difference between how movies used to be mm-hmm. and how they are now. And I, and I, that worries me a little, that worried me at the time. Do you know what it is? So there's, oh God, we're going to get into one of my big things at the moment, but have you watched 13 Reasons Why on Netflix? Yes. Okay. So I watched that. I heard lots of people talk about it and I was like, oh, that's intense. And obviously there's a scene where she's in the bath and I found that really intense. And I am not one for censorship or, but I thought 
I'm uncomfortable about yeah. that level of detail. And then purely by accident, because I was, I had a dream that I married Keanu Reeves, and this happens a few times <sighs> a year. Yeah. Wait, which Keanu? Oh, Speed Keanu in that oh, one. Oh yes. <laughs> Jack Traven. <laughs> Now, was it Keanu or Jack who you were marrying? <laughs> uh, he may have been wearing Kevlar. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I Not love to the it. wedding, obviously. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but like the white t-shirt, he's you know he's been under the bus. He's got he's got oh, gasoline on him. He's greasy. He's greasy. I love it. <laughs> like, there are some veins popping in his neck. <laughs> everything everything seems. But, I'm, but I trust him. <laughs> but I trust him. I was under the bus with him. <laughs> I don't know. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch a Keanu film just to like continue this false reality. And I ended up watching a film called Permanent Record, which is not one of his very well-known ones. It's very, very early on in his career. But he is at high school and his best friend commits suicide. And it's all um, implied. You never see anything. And the reactions and the way that it's acted is just completely different because it trusts the viewer to put some things together or it trusts the viewer to interpret things that aren't words like facial reactions and what people and but I felt like when I was watching 13 Reasons Why it's like let's spell it out for you this is why she's upset oh let's show you a a really gratuitous scene in a jacuzzi it's just and it that's you talk about memories. I worry about imagination. God, yes. Well, you don't need to have one anymore. Well, because Star Wars and all of these incredible films that were game-changing were written by people who made toys out of tin cans and used their imagination. And now, like, I was... Um, oh, there were, Gem. Do you remember Gem and the Holograms? Yes. I loved your light up earrings. I know. So that turned 30 last week. Yeah. No, I did not. And I remember my mum knitting um, clothes for my Gem and my Barbie. I think it was mainly Barbie because Gem wouldn't go near anything knitting, no. knitted. But that she was the kind really of thing that parents chic. used to do. But you would 100% now not even consider making clothes for a doll. You just buy the next set. Yeah, that's true. It is rather depressing, isn't it? I thought we'd put the world to rights, Emily. Yeah, I feel like we. Yeah, have a we lot want of work a bummer. Okay. <laughs> we need to reevaluate yeah. this. <laughs> we need. Yeah, let's get some champagne. <laughs> Maybe after my hangover has left me. You are so good for someone who has a hangover. <laughs> I think that's why my laughter is almost like an evil one today. It's like my body doesn't know why I can possibly laugh or how it's possible. <laughs> you are so fresh-faced, and oh. if you hadn't told me, I would have absolutely had no idea you know what i think sometimes i forget i'm not 25 because i feel like i'm i I actually feel like i'm 25 not physically because Mm. physically i'm an absolute mess but (laughs) mentally (laughs) no i am i'm such a mess but um mentally i feel 25 i feel like you know i don't i feel weird saying i'm 38 if you were to sort of catch me on a moment and say and grab me and say how old are you i'd say 27 I wouldn't say 39, so I get exactly what you mean. Yeah, I, but I feel like this is... That's a, I, li- I like that. I think that's a good thing. Mm. I would worry if somebody looked in the mirror and said, yep, I'm 38. Like, But mm. also, it's, it, I try and think back, and I talk to my parents a lot about this, I try and think back to where they were when they were 38. My parents had four kids. Mm. 
you know, like they were dealing with all kinds of different stuff that I'm dealing with. Like I'm complaining because I'm jet lagged from being in the Caribbean or something. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't handle life. I have to pay taxes. <laughs> I'm like, true first world problems. Like, I'm pretty sure that if somebody didn't know how much work I actually put into what I do, mm-hmm. that they, and this is why maybe I'm not so honest on Instagram, um, that they would just think I'm a first world diva. I'm really not like I, I feel very you blessed never, to do everything that I do. Yeah, but sometimes it's a lot and it's hard. So tell me, that's a good segue into this incredible feed and your incredible presence and the site and everything. Yeah, it is a lot of hard work. Yeah, anyone who suggests that just putting a couple of pictures up on Instagram isn't hard work, if you're doing it properly and you are, because as we know, you do work with brands, and as you've said earlier you have a duty to them if you're working with them to do it properly. Yeah. How how much work, well, that's not quantifiable, I'm sure, but it is a full-time job. Yeah, and I think the difficult thing is, here's where it's tough, is that you have to, or my, I feel like my role is to try and make people smile. I love that I'm given that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I have always insisted that I'll never be negative. I'll be real. Mm -hmm. I'll tell people the truth. I also will be very honest. And I have said on a number of occasions on Instagram, if you see me looking really happy, like really, really happy, chances are I'm probably depressed as hell. And not as in like, you know, slitting my wrist in a bathroom, but I kind of use Instagram in a funny way. I will uplift myself by putting a picture of myself smiling because it's almost like reminding me mm-hmm. <laughs> that that has happened and it's a good memory. And I don't, I'm not, and there's nothing Insta about Instagram anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I know very few people that take a picture and put it up right then and there. Mm. And I remember that's what it used to be back in the day. You'd be at a party and you're like, right, I'm throwing this up. There wasn't any editing tool. No, that's what Facebook's for now, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, all of my pictures are basically, they're going to be happy pictures, but I'll tell the truth behind them. And even last night, even in my hungover state this morning, (laughs) I can remember this, um, (laughs) pre-Champagne Gate, um, basically... You know, I'm, I'm in a beautiful hotel. I'm working with an amazing brand. Um, not getting paid for it. Just working with an American brand that I really love and want to support. And, and I'm, I've always been really keen on that to try and help American brands mm-hmm. that are coming over to UK shores. And um, I check into the hotel and I have... Okay, this is going to sound real first world problems. I have 10 minutes to drop off all my stuff and go down for a massage <laughs> okay <laughs> straight from the massage i go into getting a pedicure again hard life right uh trying to answer all my emails while i'm doing that and then um they've left a beautiful goodie bag in the room when i return with some beautiful clothes and it's a beautiful room and in my head of course beautiful clothes beautiful room beautiful opportunity for a picture mm-hmm. so i now travel everywhere with a tripod everywhere so set up said tripod and then spent an hour and a half that I had between pedicure and dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> taking one picture. Mm-hmm. So, and trying everything because 
you know, for me, it's, it's not, I obviously want to look, okay, I obviously want to look good in the picture. Mm. I think everybody wants to look good in their picture, but I also want to make sure that what it is that I'm talking about, people can see and people can see the product and people can see how beautiful it is. And if mm. it's something that's a really great knit, I want to be able to showcase, you know, if it, the actual construction of it any way I can. So I'm really meticulous about pictures and I, ha- and I hope that kind of comes across on Instagram, Totally. but I also don't want it to be like, it's a fake thing you're looking at Mm. but pretty much for every one picture i'd say there are between 50 and 100 that i've taken to get to that one i i started doing selfies and it was a short-lived franchise of like monday selfie and i would put the good selfie up on my main feed and then i'd put all the outtakes on insta stories and i think there was one day where i just my face just didn't look right (laughs) (laughs) we have those days (laughs) it was like 180 pictures and even then the picture that i put up I was like doing this funny thing with my shoulder and it got nice reaction. I was like, I know I've, I don't know. I'm taking it down. Yeah. But yeah, I think you should be able to do that. People are real funny about if you take things down, but it's your feed, whatever. Who cares? Exactly. So yeah, I know what you mean because as you say, it's not like you can structure. You had this thing. You probably knew there was going to be an opportunity, Yeah. but then it's a bit like a challenge like you're gonna get back to your room there's gonna be a random box of clothes there should be a tv show about this you have to create an instagrammable picture in 90 minutes i'm telling you this is the next apprentice (laughs) like truly it's your instagram page make it work (laughs) so i'm sure that you get asked this a lot but is there a formula I'm not going to say secret because i don't think there is a secret to gaming (laughs) but is there a formula to producing a feed and obviously everyone's I think the problem comes when people try and copy someone else's feed I think obviously authenticity is a big part of it but for you have you found a formula that works for you um I found the formula that makes me happy I'm not sure that's the formula that that makes me bigger Mm. I mean not not talking about my bum I'm talking (laughs) bigger as a number wise you know Uh, and that's just something that I've had to accept I think um, my happiness with Instagram comes at looking at my feed and being like, yeah, this looks pretty good. And, I, and you know, what well, I think about it. I put pictures up based on what I think will look good in my top nine pictures. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie about that. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you another first world problem I have is that I've gotten really into my autumnal colors on my Instagram feed at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I love my oranges and browns and how kind of like the sweaters are all flowing and, and it's really, you know, showcasing how beautiful this country can be in, mm-hmm. in this time of year. And I'm headed to Barbados tomorrow. So I'm going to cold, cold colors, yeah. turquoises and, and bright pinks and things like that. And I actually, and this, this upset me, okay? I actually thought, I, this is not going to look good. <laughs> I'm not going to like this. <laughs> and then I, I had to have a stern talk to myself. And I was like, going to Barbados, what the hell is your problem? Well, Are you seriously having this like this internal dialogue about the fact that your Instagram feed is going to look, look a bit whack for a week? <laughs> like, that is that is a very Real Housewives reaction, isn't it? <laughs> it made me very sad. But um, yeah, I mean, that, a lot of what I a lot of day-to-day life these these days I find is I think about Instagram Mm. it's nice though because I used to think in squares and of course now you don't have to do that anymore because you can do you know uh, bigger pictures but that worries me a little bit I'm not gonna lie (laughs) but it's not your only output you have the site 
And you said earlier that you journal. Yes. What was... How how young were you or how old were you when you started journaling? Um, when did I start journaling? So I'd always kept a sketchbook from when I was like 12. Um, and that was just because I have amazing parents who were really into promoting whatever it was that we seemed to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very supportive of that. And... Um, Yes, I kept a sketchbook and then I went to uni and I think at the time, I don't remember, I wish I could remember who this girl was, um, memory. Um, I met a girl who was keeping a journal and she, we just had a conversation about it and she said it really helps her clear her head. Mm -hmm. And she told me that what she did, and, and I didn't end up doing this, but it did spark me starting. She did... Um, every morning she would wake up and she would write three pages, not really thinking about what she was going to write, just take the pen, put it to paper and write whatever came out. Mm -hmm. And she said that that was her way of just getting it out of her and putting it somewhere else so that she wouldn't have to deal with worries and stuff. So I thought that was pretty romantic and I tried that for a while, Mm. but then I think my writing side came out and I was like, I don't just want to put down a bunch of crap on paper. Mm. I want to think about what I'm writing. And I also really love the idea of being able to write about your day or your problems or the great successes in life and have something that you can look back on in case maybe you don't have such a great memory, Mm. an actual, you know, memory retention. Um, So that was at uni, and then I moved to Italy when I was 20, and the journal became something completely different. I went to an art school, and um, people there were keeping journals, but they were journals with amazing paintings that they were doing on the Arno, and um, great kind of postcards they had picked up in antique markets and stuff. So it was kind of more scrapbooking with like an arty Mm -hmm. edge. Um, and then I started doing that and I have three rubber, do you know what Rubbermaid containers are? No. Giant, uh, it's an American term. God, I'm saying, I'm like shouting out to a brand there. Um, <laughs> it's like probably a 50 gallon container. I mean, they're massive container, like okay. uh, plastic containers for storage, storage boxes. Mm-hmm. So I have three of those full of books, journals that I've kept. Wow. And I actually ended up sending them home to keep at my parents' house when I was single because I was so paranoid that somebody would read my journals. That's why I could never keep them as a kid. I was always worried, like... Somebody would read them. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, it's funny because when I did do one thing, I which I wish I hadn't done, which made me kind of question whether or not I should have kept journals at all, which is I read, I went back and read them. So I was going through a really dark time a couple of years ago when I was breaking up with my ex-boyfriend. And not because of him. I think I was having a dark time because of myself. I didn't mm. know if I wanted to be here in America. And I went back and read my journals and I was like, God, I was a whiny bitch. <laughs> Truly a whiny bitch. And the stuff I wrote in there was terrible. And it really was me just getting it out and really... And, and I don't remember being someone who hated the world, but mm-hmm. apparently I did. But maybe I just did on paper, and that's why I didn't in real life. Yeah, because journaling is having a... There's been lots of talk talk about it for the last couple of years, specifically in tandem with things like meditation, of just yeah. kind of like, as you say, brain dumping. Because yeah. if you think about our brains as being a computer, like if my computer begins to slow down, I go through and I check... 
if there are any large files that I don't need and yeah. I dump it and I clear yeah. it out. But journaling, I think, can do that. Yeah, I think it's a good experience to do it. But I, did, I have questioned whether I should burn them all. <laughs> and that's a real... Like, the ones that I did that were more kind of travel journals and beautiful pictures with friends and, mm. and sketches that I did when I was traveling around Europe, that kind of stuff I, I think I will keep forever. Mm. But the stuff where I'm writing about random guys that, you know... That I met in London and things that you don't really want your parents ever read. Say, should you kick it by getting hit by a big red bus? You don't want your parents to then go to the box and go, let's remember her. And then they're turning a page going, she did what? (laughs) In Trafalgar Square? (laughs) Like, Like, you don't want that to happen. So I actually took a black Sharpie pen and started like taking out things I'm like these are not important to my history and I actually went through and took out the parts that I never wanted anybody to read instead of burning them that's interesting I edited my life because that's the thing is I've it's like they say about gossip or something like once it's out there you can't un put it out there and that's what I worry about writing things down because I just think, oh, it's always there. And sometimes, you, as you say, you can't defend yourself and say, well, that was who I was five years ago. And yeah. I've, I've grown up since then. I don't feel that way. But it's still there. But that's the difficult thing, I think, about going back and rereading things. Mm. Because you grow so much as a person. And, and Or maybe it's a good thing. Because you see how much you grow. Which I think can be damn scary. It was damn scary for me. I did not feel comfortable rereading it. It made me feel like I didn't know who I was. Really? And again, I think it was a good thing I did it, but going back and rereading it made me question everything. And I just thought, God, you're such a weak idiot. And uh, and that hurt a little bit. But at the same time, I came away and I was like, no, you know what? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What? This is who you are now, and a lot of that is because you had to get through that. Mm-hmm. So whatever it, it happened, it's part of who you are. It's your story. Maybe you just don't want anybody else to read it. Are you a bit like me in the sense of I give myself a really hard time if I'm not if I'm making mistakes? Yes. And so I want to be the complete version of myself who doesn't screw up ever and who makes good decisions all the time. But I've never really given myself until quite recently permission to screw up and just gone, do you know what? Today's, today's going to be a crappy day. Yeah. Um, 
And actually, in my experience, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like people who screw up, admit it, say, oh my God, I've got so much to learn from this, learn more. Yeah. Because I've always been really jealous of people who seem to just be, have it together. Yeah, what is that? I don't believe they have it together. <laughs> Maybe not. Sorry, I just don't believe. I believe there are certain people that have a good, uh, good way of making it look like they have it together. I truly don't believe anyone has it together. I think that is the most false thing to believe in this world. And I do believe that you're right, but people... And I don't think people are... Ju- not everybody is trying to convince you that they've got it all together, but some people just look, oh yeah, they've got life nailed. Like, I'm pretty... Like, I'll look at some women and think, you've definitely never put your tights backwards on and what the whole day, like, walked around with your gusset in the wrong place. Whereas that's definitely happened to me. Yeah, but she's probably dealt with something far worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. truly, I feel like... I almost feel like when you look at the people that look too put together, there are the people that are probably dealing with the biggest Be problems. suspicious, yeah. yeah. And... And that's not to say, I mean, I think, you know, I came up with the weirdest theory the other day. Um, this is out there. Okay. So Do this it. isn't me, me like trying to, well, maybe this is me trying to put the world right. I reckon that we are all handed the same amount of bullshit in a lifetime and it just gets distributed differently for every single person. Hmm. Way out there. <laughs> but that it, some people will get it all at once. And it's just too much for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then other people get it trickled throughout. But I think everybody, you know, everybody has problems. Yeah. Everyone has problems. And this is why I hate social media. I love social media because (laughs) it funds what I do for my living. Yeah. But I hate it because I think it is feeding this false idea that everything is perfect. Everyone is only sharing the highlights of their life. They're only talking about the great things. And I know that I'm feeding this machine. And it's the one thing that makes me uncomfortable about what I do. Really? Because I do, and I write a lot on the blog about this because Mm -hmm. I feel like I can be a lot more lengthy with my discussions, but on Instagram, I'm not going to be the person that's going to go, yeah, of course, all of this is constructed. Mm. You know, I'm not putting up a picture of me sitting at home with a Domino's pizza in my lap and a bottle of vodka and something on Netflix, you know, like that's not going to be real sexy. It's not going to fit in with what my feed is. Mm. Um, and that, but again, you know, it, that's what worries me. I think I look at my nieces and nephews. I'm, you know, my nephew is like my PR person. He's hilarious. He runs around. And he's like, my auntie, I'm so famous. <laughs> I'm like, as long as you think I'm famous, that's all that matters. I just want you to think I'm amazing. But Thanks. I think he really believes that my life is, is a fairy tale. And the, it did concern me a little bit because he, I'll never forget that a friend of his asked what I do for a living. And he said, my aunt gets paid to party. <gasps> and I was like, whoa, we need to have a sit down. <laughs> that is not what Auntie M gets paid to do <laughs> at all. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's what you get paid to do. Cause I think, as you say, you write considered posts, you work with brands and when you are working with a brand, they don't just say, here, um, have whatever fun you want to have. Like you, yeah, it's a transactional relationship. You have expectations, they have expectations and everyone on both sides must be happy. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing is that not that I want to say you're a proper Instagrammer, but as you say, you get the business side of it. Yeah. And I can appreciate that because at the end of the day, somebody's selling you, somebody's buying you to sell something. Mm. And I think I've been quite religious with how much of my stuff is sponsored. First Mm. of all, um, so I try and operate on a one in 10 
And the rest of it is completely things that I love that I'm not getting paid for that I just want to share and just how Instagram was in the beginning. Yeah. And I find that works for me and I find hopefully that that works and will continue to work for my Mm -hmm. readers. And I think maybe, you know, you can go a little bit above that, but then I see people who have Instagrams, blogs, YouTube's, you know, oh God, how many other social, social networks are there? Um, and every single post is sponsored. Everything. Mm. It is like they're working with every brand yeah. that exists. But that just devalues that feed and the brands eventually, I well, think. Well, you would think, right? But they're still doing it and they're still getting followers left, right and center and it's just a massive thing. Mm, and I'm not knocking it, you know. I think everybody needs to find ways to make money and these people have found that that works and obviously it's working because brands are coming back and rehiring them. Mm, this is true. But I do think there needs to be some authenticity in it and there needs to be there needs to be more of it if this is going to survive. Otherwise, I think we're just in a giant bubble and it is going to burst. Yeah, what do you think is the future of Instagram? I heard tell recently that the grid is going to change and it's going to be a grid of four and no longer a grid of nine. No way. It's going to be two pictures on a line as opposed to three. God. that freak you out? First, yeah, <laughs> Your face. Just, my heart just sunk into, into my feet. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why, because actually that might be pretty cool. Mm. But I think, you know what? When the algorithm changed, Jesus, it was like the world ended for people. <laughs> Truly. And even for me, I mean, I wasn't a bit, I wasn't that, it wasn't a surprise mm. when, when Facebook bought Instagram, you know. We, you had to know that was going somewhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, all these changes. Oh, I don't like change. No. I'm no. sorry. I get used to something and I love it. And I think that I've chosen the wrong career for that because truly, I've, and this is, I'm, I'm always critical of people who say they're social media experts because I'm like, you know what? This field is changing every five minutes. Mm. There's a physical impossibility to be an expert. You cannot go to a brand and go, I am an expert in this because tomorrow Snapchat will launch and you will know nothing about it. And it will be the biggest thing that will ever happen. Mm. And how can you be an expert? Do you think in that Snapchat field? are going to come back with like, no, somewhere? Insta stories have killed them. Yeah. Well, for me, at least, I never use Snapchat anymore. I don't. It's drained my battery as well. <laughs> Is that like Facebook? Didn't somebody say if you take Facebook off your phone that it's like... It's true, actually. Facebook just gets takes up more and more storage. So it sort of grows in your hard drive when you don't realise. Oh, God. That almost sounds evil, doesn't it? Because yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> but I don't use Facebook as much. I mean, I really... For me, it's Instagram and that's work. And then Facebook for me is... It's all my friends who are having babies and mm-hmm. doing the family thing. And that, and I love seeing that. It's how I know when people's birthdays are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> God, Facebook is great for that. Yes. Shouldn't there just be a calendar app for that? Shouldn't <laughs> like, I mean, can't we just do that without the Facebook? <laughs> Can they just sink into your calendar? That's the question. That yeah, need maybe, to ask. maybe I'll just start adding them in or like take them from Facebook. And yeah. Then, Export yeah. birthdays, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> hey, there's an app there. <laughs> there is an app there. A one-use app, though. Oh, I don't think it's going to make us millions. No. But, so when I had Caroline Hirons on this show, she talked about lovely Caroline Hirons, and that's where we actually met. Yes, and we love Caroline. We love Caroline. So Caroline had a dinner a few months ago to celebrate the huge, giant success of her double cleanse. If you haven't tried it, you must. Um, and that's... We were sitting on the same table we at the Ritz at the I've never <laughs> been to the Ritz of all of the places in London that I've never been to I'd never actually set foot inside the Ritz until that night and I yeah. know that sounds like first world whinging but as a beauty journalist they tend to have there tend to be lots of launches in Swiss hotels yeah 
And I was surprised that I had never been in the Ritz. And it was divine. It was, wasn't it? And the room was pink. Pink and green. I mean, it was perfect for Pixie. But it was also just perfect for a bunch of females celebrating a great female. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also, that was the biggest gossip table I know. of all time. That's what I was just about to say. Oh. I thought. <laughs> so, literally, there were two tables, and we kind of hear like quite intelligent conversations going on in the other one. And then somebody mentions celebrity sex tapes, and our table just descended into. <laughs> and the size of male members. <laughs> into absolute filth. <laughs> And the funny thing was the other table was an American table and I was on the British table and I felt more at home, which is quite worrying for me. That's a good question. Do you feel more at home in London? Uh, Oh, do you know the number of people that want to give me life coaching? Because I see, because I talk so often about this on Instagram. I get regular emails from people who'll say, and, and I love them. I mean, and I probably do need to have life coaching for this, but because I think it's every time I go home, I write about how much I miss home and that's home. Mm. And, and I don't, I don't think I've ever called London home and I've been here 50. I've lived most of my life in London. Uh, and what, no, sorry. Uh, the better thing to say is the longest I've ever, it's the longest in. I've ever spent in one place. But I could understand that because if you're not, born here I could imagine yeah. it would feel and my parents are I mean mm. and you know it's so hard because my parents are getting older mm. and they live in America and it's a nine and a half hour flight to get there and then a four hour drive and I mean it's not an easy it's not like I'm flying into LA or something and going straight home um yeah I can imagine hard. if I lived in America I would I would always think because I was born in Kent I would always just instinctively call that home yeah yeah, but it's a weird. I mean, America is a. Uh, it's it's hard to describe. It really is, and I'm Southern, and I feel like there's something so special about being Southern, and I think that, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud to be Southern. My parents are Northerners, so, <laughs> but I was raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my parents now live on a little island off the coast of South Carolina. So, I consider myself Southern, and. Um, and I think that's what I'll always be. And actually, when I moved to England 15 years ago, I think it was this, around the same time that Madonna had been here, I think, for like six months or something. Mm-hmm. And do you remember when she just went instantly British? Like of posh course. British. Yes, of course. And she started shooting. And yeah, things, I mean, it? it was ridiculous, right? So everyone joked when I moved over, like, oh, that'll be you. So I really <laughs> made an effort to keep my accent. And it's ended up being this... I mean, I obviously have dropped the y'alls and, and that kind of thing. Oh, I, used, I use y'alls because I wish I was... <laughs> my ideal oh, accent is Susan Sarandon in The Client. Really? Mm. Oh, that, I haven't thought about that. That is a damn good accent. That is, that is a damn... She did a good job with that, didn't she? Yeah. That's my idea. And I also just think, like I was uh, podcasting with the Scummy Mummies the other day, and Helen is from Australia. And if I'm trying to be really nice and friendly and jokey, I'll sometimes slip into an Australian accent. Right. Do your Australian accent. So in that instance, it would be like, are you going to serve some Villa Maria? Because <laughs> they brought in wine. I was like, I'll always have a glass of wine. <laughs> That's pretty good. Can you do an American accent? Uh, which territory? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh my God. If you could like do no. Southern, do your best Southern. I have often had to rely on the kindness of strangers. Oh my God. You're so Charleston gone with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's so good. 
you know what? I, I, uh, every if I get have enough, if I have enough wine or champagne, and I end up on the phone to one of my girlfriends from home. My, uh, it takes me about two seconds to roll back in. Really? And but I mean, here's getting my best friends growing up when I, you know, three life in Charlotte were Mary Grace, Sarah Ellen, and Mary Catherine. A Mary Grace, Mary Gray, Mary Gray, Sarah Ellen. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was all double names. So I'm an Emily Jane. <gasps> But we didn't, you know, my parents were Yankees, so we didn't do the Emily <laughs> Jane thing. Um, and and it was, a, you know, debutante culture, alive and well. All these things, very Southern. Did you have to do cotillion? I did cotillion. And let me just tell you, okay, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. So, it still is scarred. So is cotillion like finishing school? It's like learn to use cutlery and dance? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's learning to, it's learning table manners. It's learning social graces and it's learning how to do things like the box step and the foxtrot. Did that come in useful last night at your posh dinner? <laughs> no, I don't even think I remember how to do the foxtrot. We also learned to shag. The dance. <laughs> the dance. <laughs> Wasn't there a film called Shag, shag with yeah. Bridget Fonda? Was it Bridget Fonda? I know there's like a newer one with the girls. There's a bunch of, it was in the 80s. Yeah, and it that's... was the coast of North Carolina, I think, because that's where they shag. But I mean, I didn't know that shag meant shag over here. Oh, I think that when I I only learned that watching an Austin Powers movie. What happened to Austin Powers? I was thinking that when I was speaking to Elizabeth to Hurley the back. other day, and I was oh my like, God, "Did you mention it?" I couldn't. I, I couldn't. was like, "Did I miss that part of the podcast?" I was like, should I mention <laughs> Vanessa Kensington? Should I? No, don't do it, oh Emma. God, don't I do it. It's not the time. That. But yeah, she was like. Those movies, I had, I really, really loved those movies. Oh, he was, I love uh, Michael Mike Myers. Myers. Yeah, like Michael Myers is the one from Mike Halloween. Myers. Mike okay, Myers. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Let's make a distinction there. <laughs> and actually, Halloween is next week, and I'm freak. I'm already freaking out. I can't do horror movies. Really it sets me on edge. Well, I am very surprised that Halloween has taken this long to catch on over here. I mean, it is not. I mean, in America, Halloween is epic. Well, the thing is, in America, so I went once. And stayed for three months in 99. Yeah. And first of all, Kmart and Walmart are the greatest things that I'd ever seen in my life at that point. Martha Stewart homeware collection. Oh my God, so good. It came back with lots of bed linen in the shower curtain. She follows me on Twitter. What? How do you I'm make dropping this that happen? In right How now. do you make this happen? You know, I didn't even know she followed me on Twitter. And then some PR went to some course where she put in a name to see who the biggest person was following someone that they follow. And they came up fashion for and Martha Stewart follows. She called me. She was like, how did that happen? And I had, I don't, I have, I have no idea. I mean, I've tried DMing her. She doesn't obviously, you know, you tried DMing her. I'm like Martha, hey, Martha. we're kindred spirits. I feel like we should have tea because she, you know, lives just up the road, not just up the road, but, um, my parents have a house in Maine and she has a house in Maine, but it's nowhere near our house. But I, I pretty much was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Maine, even though you're a six and a half hour drive away from where I'm going to be. Surely we should have a coffee. (laughs) Absolutely. Please bring biscuits, Martha. (laughs) I know. Can I come stay with you maybe and just live in the Martha world? (laughs) Wouldn't that be exciting? She'd introduce you to Snoop Dogg. I'm like, how, how weird a relationship is that? I kind of love it, though. I reckon he is, like, a super smart dude. Yes. And that's nobody, why that works. Nobody who is in the public eye for that amount of time or with that amount of success, yeah. with the exception of people who have really good management behind them, no one is there by accident. Yeah, like, that's it true. Is, you can't... 
the days of it's like Instagram the days of kind of just being yourself and getting loads of followers and then people wanting to work with you and it all happens by accident it's gone like you have to have a strategy yeah but it's not only about strategy on Instagram these days I mean I reckon that a lot of the people that okay well I have to be careful how I phrase this back when I sound like such a grandmother back when uh back when it first started you couldn't buy followers you couldn't like you know, mm. buy likes. You couldn't buy comments. They weren't bots and things. No, and now you're kind of... Everybody sort of looks at an account and they go, hmm, h- how real is that? And it seems like it's a dime a dozen. Everybody's got over 100,000 followers. I don't. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually had somebody the other day give me, oh God, I thought you had a much bigger following. I was like, okay, I'm not That's sure whether I should be like, yo, thank you for thinking that I should be that big. So I mentioned Caroline Hirons a minute ago, and I mentioned her because when I podcasted with her, we talked about the fact that she had worked in the beauty industry for a long time, and then she started the blog, yeah. and people started to actually listen to what she was saying. She'd been very much on the corporate side of things, where, as I've definitely experienced, once you're on the corporate side, it's hard to be heard, and you can say, this is the wrong way to go, and they go, no, 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 this is tried and tested, and then sure enough, a little while later, you are proven to be right. So with Caroline, I said, how did it feel to find your voice and for it to be of value and heard? And she was saying, obviously, it was fantastic. Was there a moment for you when Fashion Foie Gras became more than just the thing that you did because you loved fashion and you wanted to get into the scene and everything? Was there a point where you realised, oh, people are really engaging with what I'm doing. And so this is more than just what it started out as being. I think there have been a few moments I don't think there was one aha Mm -hmm. like yes (laughs) people like what I say and do because this isn't Um, Hollywood and this isn't a movie so that's good it's not gonna be (laughs) yeah no sadly not and I'm not Julia Roberts as much as I wish that they were um you know what there have been there have been like I said there have been moments and I think so often it felt like I was riding into this big black void but I kept doing it Mm -hmm. and then I had made a very measured and risky change <laughs> all at the same time. Um, oh God, boy, how many years ago was this? Maybe four years ago. And basically what I did was I moved from doing fashion news. So I don't know if you read back, uh, you wouldn't have, you probably didn't follow me back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So the way I built it up in the beginning was I was writing fashion news and I was writing 20 blog posts a day. Emily. Yeah. I slept three hours a night for the first three years that I wrote the blog, but I had a million hits within four months and it went crazy. Gangbusters crazy. So this is like red carpet, like this happened at the... No, it wasn't so much that. It was more fashion industry news. Okay. But it was like, um, and I also was doing a lot of magazine covers. So when magazine covers would launch, Mm -hmm. um, they would send me the front cover and I would write about it, give my opinion, things like that. Um, more or less kind of, and, and, you know, giving support to magazines. Mm -hmm. And at the time I felt, Oh my God, it's so amazing. They're supporting me. I didn't even think that I was supporting them. (laughs) I was like, this is so fabulous. Um, but then I was writing about changes of designers going to different houses, um, announcements from Carl Lagerfeld where he was doing his latest Chanel show, things like that. Mm. But I was writing it with the voice that seemed to resonate with people because I, it was like, I was telling my girlfriend gossip Mm -hmm. and that was my voice. Yeah. And then when it became something that was at a level where I thought I could make some money from it, 
um, which again, I was not planning on doing that, Mm -hmm. but it had grown so much. And there are only so many years that you can only sleep for three hours a night Mm -hmm. because again, I was working 12 hour days in PR Mm -hmm. and I was doing this on either side. So I was waking up early in the morning, going to bed ridiculously late and it just wasn't working. And I was kind of on the verge of a nervous breakdown trying to do this and I wasn't making any money from it. Mm -hmm. So I retained an agent and the agent said, people like your blog because of you. And up until that point, I'd never put a picture of myself on the blog. It was, I'd gone to launches and I'd written about launches and I was using my own photography and, and there was me, the personality that's me, but not the face of me. Mm -hmm. And they said, why don't we just try something? Just put yourself out there. Let's see what the response is when, when people see you. And I did. And I was, I was scared shitless because this was when it was all about the fashion blogger. And I'm like, you know what? I'm an American size 14. I'm a UK size 18. And I didn't believe that anybody would want to see that. I just truly didn't. And, and this was just a little bit before Ashley Graham, I think really had gotten big Mm -hmm. and it was post crystal Wren. So obviously there was a vibe where it's like, you know, we're having a bigger conversation here, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started putting pictures up of myself and talking more about myself and talking more about problems, but still doing the news. Mm -hmm. And, but it was just like, you know, for every 10 posts about news, there would be like, you know, one subtle piece about a sweater that I loved and I was taking a picture Mm -hmm. or me talking about an event and being in the picture. And then it sort of transitioned from that into like full blown me. (laughs) I mean, it's not all me as you know, so it's all, it's travel, it's lifestyle. And then there's fashion and obviously for fashion, it's going to be me or I'm going to have to hire somebody. But it's no different. It's no different from what magazines used to do with, um, they have a travel section, they have a fashion section, a beauty section and everything, everyone goes out and then interprets those things via that magazine's voice. So you're doing exactly what magazines did. Right. Well, that's good to hear. Do. (laughs) Oh, that sounded very much so. (laughs) Well, no, it's just sad times. Like, glamour's just I can't believe glamour. And that makes me very sad because I was one of their first style, uh, what did they call us? I think it was like the style council or something. They had 12 of us that, uh, that were bloggers that they featured in the mag did a massive thing on and it was really sad because when they announced it I had three emails from the 12 people on that council who were sending us sending around basically the picture of all of us together with a big sad face next to it It, yeah it's very sad of all the magazines to go it was heartbreaking but yeah so you then essentially became like I say like a magazine format also of like it's not just fashion it's this it's that and the other and was retaining an agent a really good move for you in terms of would you have come to that decision? Would you have been able to have made that transition had it not been for someone else's input? Do you think? I would have, but it would have taken longer mm-hmm. and, and it would have been, it probably would have been me going on a diet trying to get ready to do it or something, you know, doing something stupid and drastic. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's just something that I've always had an issue with. And I think anybody that reads me knows that I talk very openly about weight, not to totally transition out of that. <laughs> no, because I was going to say to you, I was going to say that it's like every single day there will be something about how mannequins are made really badly for the fashion industry. Like you or you go onto a website and you look at a piece of clothing and you have to judge whether it's going to work on you yeah. based on the fact that it's on a size eight ten model. 
And actually, the reality is, I think the national average clothing size is a size, UK size 16 to yeah. 18. So, and then people are editing pictures to look slimmer than they are and all this kind of stuff. So where do you sit and what message do you like to put out on that? I think I have tried to stay away from that message, mm. but I've been put into that message, if that makes sense. Mm. So I don't think I've ever really come out and said, hey, guys, I'm a size... Like, I don't actually even... I don't think I've ever said that I'm a size 18. Mm. I'm also six foot two. So you know what? Like, this is where you're getting. It's a big thing coming your way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm not... Ash- it's not that I'm ashamed of it. And, you know, you and I were talking before we started this, and I said to you, if somebody gave me a piece of paper and I had to sign it, and they said, after you've signed it, you'll be a size four, and I would do it. Mm. So I feel almost a little two-faced to be part of that conversation of going yes let's embrace this and then at the same time be thinking well yeah I would be happier if I was skinnier Mm. and I don't why would you be happier sorry to interrupt but that for me is the thread that I can't pull at the reason why I feel like I'd be happier is because every single film that I watched where I really like the heroine like whether it's Cher in Clueless she's a tiny woman okay no I know you know why I would be happier because I could wear more clothes oh I see yeah not because I don't like the way my body looks right now but because the industry is still so flipping antiquated Mm. that they do not service the national flipping average. And I do not understand that for the life of me. It has gotten a lot better. And I realize we're in a baby step situation here, Mm -hmm. but that is why I would like to be skinnier because I feel like the world would be my oyster if I were a size 12. Mm. I'm not talking about, I mean, I will never be someone who could ever achieve a single digit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure, like, my first pair of Gap jeans I bought was a size 12. Like, I have never in my life Mm. seen a single digit piece of clothing. (laughs) It does not. And maybe if it's, like, from someone who does size 1 to 4. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, the 8s were never going to be in my, my, you know, remit. And I'm totally cool with that. But I, uh, truly, when I say that to people, I would like to be skinnier and I'd be happier. It is a fashion thing. Mm. Because I think if, if my size was serviced as it should be in the industry... I'm like, yeah, whatever. Cool. But I feel like I have limitations as to what I can wear based on what's available in my size. And that that's what sucks. That's when you feel like you're being singled out or... And you know what? Brands do a good job of making you feel that way too. The number of size 6 and size 8 clothing parcels that I get is ridiculous. What? They're like, hey, we'd love to see you. They see this on yeah. your feed and you're like, uh, well then don't be such a douche. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just... <sighs> As I knock over a glass of water in my rage. Um, <laughs> if that's you angry. No, I mean, you know what? I had, when I first started dating the boyfriend that I have now, who's lovely and supportive and fabulous, um, I got a delivery from a jeans company that will remain unnamed. They sent me a size zero. <laughs> and I had had lunch with this PR. Okay. And she's like, we'd love to send you a pair of jeans. And this was not a mistake. Okay. I mean, and I, I wrote to her and I said, oh, you know, you sent me a size zero pair of jeans. And she just wrote back going, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, what size do you need? And it was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and, you know, I was laughing and I, and it, you know what? It kind of ruined my afternoon a little bit yeah. and I let it and I, and I've learned since not to let things like that ruin my afternoons yeah. because it's happened so often. Um, but I'll, I will never forget. I put them, I couldn't even fit them over my head. <laughs> 
So I put them on as like a hat and tried to button them, and I couldn't button a size zero around my face. Now that should have gone on Instagram. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> this was pre-Instagram, I think. Oh, okay, go. Cool. Yeah, early days. No, it couldn't have been pre-Instagram. It was pre-Instagram being as manicured as it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a weird... There have been just as... I mean, there have been so many highlights and so many things that I'm proud of. But I think I'm most proud of kind of getting over those moments mm. of being put in a in a place where you could really have a crappy day and you just have to look past it. It's part of growing up, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it is part of getting growing up. Getting used to it. How sad is that? <laughs> Ridiculous. We're amazing. Um, we've been talking for an hour, so we're going to have to... Okay. Have we covered everything you wanted to cover? Have we imparted information to people that they will find useful in their day-to-day life? I think so. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think everyone should be reading Fashion Foie Gras. I think everyone should be following you. Thank you. Um, Just wait. Tell me, though, what you're going to be doing in Barbados. Can you tell me what you're going to be doing in Barbados? I don't know if I can say too much at the moment. I'm going out there on a campaign that's based around love. I will say that. And I'm lucky enough that I get to bring my partner with me. Yes, who has amazingly become an Instagram husband. Um, although, you know, not married, obviously. And, mm-hmm. um, but he... <laughs> caveat. <laughs> caveat. <laughs> husband, Instagram boyfriend. Um, that he has become an amazing ace behind the camera. Yes, I have a few friends whose partners are not on Instagram in any way, shape or form. Think yeah. that it's absolutely nonsense. But have now become expert at taking pictures of their wives or girlfriends leaning yeah. against brick walls. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if that's <laughs> like a good thing. Tucking hair, their hair behind their ear. And that is really hard to do in front of your partner. <laughs> to look like a complete goofball. <laughs> do you find it work. quite funny? Do you just do you just get in fits of giggles when you're like, dude, I need you to take this picture? I mean, genuinely, when you see pictures of me smiling, it is because I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> and the fact that I have somebody standing in front of me with a camera. But I am also so embarrassed when I have my picture taken which should not be happening this many years in. <laughs> See, I, I did a photo shoot last year for Cosmo and I was like, well, this is quite weird being on the other side of the camera. Yeah. So, but I was like, but I've watched America's Next Top Model. I know I need to smize. Love it, smizing. And I know I need to move. Like every time the camera goes, I know yeah. I need to move. So in my head, I'm like being really dynamic and I'm like definitely going to get through to the final. And when I looked at the pictures, it was basically the same face. <laughs> With like single a slight picture. turn. <laughs> and then they kept saying things like, would you like to, because it was about having the podcast, they were like, would you like any props? And I was like, no, no. And honestly, genuinely thought I was like being really dynamic and giving them face and giving them angles. And it was just, out, like I was just rictus grin, just like, <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! Yeah, I mean the picture turned out kind of okay. Oh, I'm but, sure it was fabulous. But it's it's harder than it looks, and it so is hard. I put um, I had I needed some high res pictures for a profile picture for something, and they were like, "Oh, can you can you send us? Have you got any professional headshots?" And I was like, "Are you crazy? You know how much those, <laughs> those cost?" And I was like, "Sure, yeah, of course." I funnily enough, I just did a shoot last week when I had some done, so immediately like go and put on loads of makeup. I was working from home that day. And um, I have a tripod, but it's four and a half feet tall. Like, it's just not tall enough to, do, like, stand up and do a shot. Right. So I ended up doing full face of makeup, getting up my studio lights in my flat, and then sort of squatting against the wall oh 
and then controlling the camera from my phone. That is hilarious. And that was her. And they were like, oh my God, these are amazing. Who did them? I was like, oh no, uh, it's fine. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He yeah, doesn't, he doesn't need credit. to be credited. <laughs> Otherwise known as tripod. <laughs> Otherwise known as literally like put on a nice top, but I was wearing tracksuit bottoms. Oh, I love that. I wish there'd been a behind the scenes picture. Oh, that, see, that's what I just... I think there's this is a TV program in the making. What we all do for a living. The appre- there should be an apprentice style. Can you imagine for bloggers? Well, I said this to Fleur de Force when she came on the show. I was like, I really must stop calling people by their actual like handles. Nah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> Fleur, I was saying there should be like an elimination beauty blogger because that was like having a huge moment. Like suddenly, all these. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. But you know, there was that show about bloggers on entertainment television in Australia, wasn't there? But that was just following the successful ones around, wasn't it? Yeah. It'd be nice to see how somebody does an up up and coming. Yes. Would you be a judge? Oh my God, I would love to. Can I be Tyra Banks in the situation that sits in the middle of the table with her arms akimbo? (laughs) I'll be Janice Dickinson. Oh my God. (laughs) Dear, crazy. (laughs) okay we're gonna make this happen we should we should pitch it to to somebody if anyone is listening that has any contacts bring it on digital tv i like because there are lots of this is the other concern we will come back to this lots of like 14 year old girls i remember going to a wedding a couple of years ago and sitting next to this married couple and they were like all our daughter does in the evening is watch makeup tutorials and then pretend to be filming her own like, we can't get her to do her homework. Wait, she pretends to film her own? She doesn't even actually film her own? No. Well, they, they're like, come, we're not going to give her a camera to film. Like, she's got homework to do. So but she'll, like, talk <laughs> and do it into her mirror. And I, I said the same. I was like, you could make some money off that girl. That's kind of cute. It's as really, much as I really want to hate it, it's kind of cute. <laughs> it's really cute and lovely and amazing. But there are obviously this generation of girls, women, who want to do it. But it's like, there is no path for... There's no, like, blueprint. What you did, you couldn't say to somebody else, oh, well, I slept three hours a night, I worked a full-time job, and then I did these posts, I did 20 blog posts a day, and I did that for three years. So that's how you start. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's so true, because every single person you ask will have a different story. Completely. And the girls that that are now starting, I think they have to work twice as hard as what we did. I mean, we worked hard. Mm. But you have to work really hard these days to make yourself stand out from the pack and it, it's doing that with integrity and authenticity that i think Which is, is even really harder. difficult yeah because if you are just unless i don't know i just yeah well i just don't know and you know kind of talking back to sorry this is totally throwing back to um instagram for a second i made a really well i had a, a moment where i felt like i was copying other people Mm-hmm. without un- unintentionally mm-hmm. so i did a call this was probably about a year ago where i unfollowed all the style bloggers i followed a lot of friends there have been a lot of riffs over this um, because i found that my style was being shaped by what i was seeing mm-hmm. and things like my homewares were being shaped still life's flat lays every single thing i was doing mm-hmm. was more or less a replica of what was already being done and i hated that mm-hmm. because i found that and it wasn't it wasn't on, like I said, it wasn't on purpose. Yeah, you weren't copycatting. No, I was like case. a sponge. I was yeah. like absorbing all these things. And so I kind of thought, can't do this anymore. So I started following loads of like off the wall, crazy people that 
do you know amazing things that I would never even dream of doing mm. but that can inspire me to do my own things differently so like skateboarders and surfer mm. like things I am not a skateboarder nor a surfer but like <laughs> things like that or great wildlife photographers and just stuff that you know like with cameras that I would never have access mm. to so it was more of this kind of thing where I could look at all this amazing creative artwork and not have it be anything other than an inspiration rather than a copycat situation. Mm. And I have since gone back and followed a lot of people that are the styles, but I go and wave. We could talk for another four hours about the follow on follow thing, but Jules Von Hett probably said it best. So do you know Jules? No. So Jules is the, um, what's his official title? He's at, he's at Tan Lux. I think he's the global tanning expert. And oh my God. I do know Jules. Do know Jules. Yeah. yeah. Um, From a long time ago. Though. Yeah. You should hang out. He doesn't live too far from here. Um, he said, the whole point of Instagram is for you to be able to curate a feed of things that you want to see. Yeah. So he's like, so I follow, I think it was like the um, RSPB, like the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds and things. Because he's like, I like nature stuff and I want to see that. So when I'm scrolling through my feed sometimes and I am following people within the industry who I know, who, I'm, who I don't want to unfollow, because I just think, what if they've got that app yeah. and they think it's an aggressive thing? Because unfollowing or unfriending is as aggressive as just going up and smacking someone in the face these Why days. Why is it though? I don't. I don't know. Like I, I know. I am friends with very good friends with people that I do not follow. And half of that is because I don't want to know about their life. I want to mm. go and have a Sunday brunch with them and know about their life. And I find so often now, I feel like I know, like I don't need to see people anymore. Yeah. Because I see everything that's happening in the world between Insta stories and every other thing that's happening. I know exactly what's happened in their day. So I don't even need to have a phone call with them. <laughs> they don't have to tell me anymore what's happening. I've seen it all go down live. Yeah. And I don't like that at all. No, I 100% agree with you. So yeah, I've now gone through this thing of exactly like you did doing something of a cull, but just because yeah. I want to see things that I want to see so when I wake up in the morning what's going to make me happy somebody put up a clip of RuPaul's Drag Race love it that's going to make me feel good about my day do you follow RuPaul obviously obviously although Ru doesn't do that much no you should but Ru doesn't do that much I'm going to follow I'm going to watch Drag Race after you leave you should you've inspired me well it will help the hangover I can confirm I'm going to have a Coca-Cola and a bit of RuPaul winning and maybe order a pizza what <laughs> note on which to end yeah but i say that but i have to write 12 blog posts today so at some point i need to put fingers to computer <laughs> we've talked about this creative process and sometimes the best thing to get the in order to write the best 12 blog posts you might need to take the afternoon off i truly believe that because creativity does not run on a nine to five schedule i'll tell you what though my plane leaves tomorrow at 10 a.m so i don't have much of a choice as to when i'm going to be getting oh, this done there's that <laughs> yeah. there is that there is that again first world problems yeah but. well she's leaving on a jet plane everyone thank you so much for <laughs> chatting i found this very enlightening oh it's been so fun can we do it more often please yeah same time next week yeah i right. mean unless well, people totally hate me and they're like don't ever bring her on this show again no, she's no, the most annoying voice um same time next week with mimi coming to barbados Is hey we cool? can make it happen okay yeah i'll get a call for the pr but, like i have this kind of like super celeb podcaster who needs to come <laughs> with me <laughs> we are now joined at the hip yeah and if you can make rupaul turn up as well oh that would God. be good no, is that your wait i have to ask you a question sure who's your dream person to interview for a podcast like you could say rupaul but like the dream the ultimate i feel as much as i would love rue i kind of feel like we wouldn't do it 
not because Rue would not for any other reason than I think the output that Rue has is the output that she has and there's no need for her to do anything else fair enough I would love to talk to her but I but I I and I had Michelle Visage on the show because I feel like Michelle Visage is like the juicy beating heart of RuPaul's Drag Race okay. and that whole thing. But my, my dream at the moment, well, I've got like 10. I always okay. have 10 that I'm going after. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my God. Kelly Osborne. I've read her book recently and it was very good. Okay. Um, I would have made that face before, but then I read this book. <laughs> I was like, interesting. <laughs> because, yeah, because I thought she was just, you know, rock star kid. Yeah. privileged but no I, I really liked her okay and I listened to her on RuPaul's podcast and she was amazing so I was like okay okay I want to talk to you properly JK Rowling uh most I think that that would be I'll be your assistant on set yeah absolutely uh Oprah again if you need help yeah obviously um who else would I god can you imagine Oprah I didn't even think about Oprah until you just said Oprah of course Oprah of course Oprah she would totally do it. Of course, Oprah. I'd love Graham Norton because I think he's one of the most talented interviewers ever and I would like to see what it's like to interview Yeah, at first. Yeah, that'd be wicked. Because he's, he's, he puts people at ease so quickly. Oh, I do love him. I love his show. That's and he doesn't do it British. by flattery. Yeah. He does it by being... Like, he can be quite... Cutting. Yeah, but like in a fun, gentle way. But there's so many, I can't even okay. name them all. But yeah, I normally have a list of about 10 that seem completely ridiculous. Oh, so I also want Anna Kendrick. I want Anna Faris, but I don't think I'm going to get Anna at the moment. Anna's over here a lot though, isn't she? Kendrick. Yeah. Yeah, I've put in requests, but okay. I ain't heard nothing. Uh, oh, Bethany Frankel. I am yeah. so... I want Bethany. That would be a good one. So she much. would do it for sure. Yeah, I keep getting... if there's gonna if if there's an interest they'll get back to you and i'm like well okay i'll just keep sending these emails until you would you have to go to them or would they come to you well you can do them via skype i would love i mean these are the preference is always to do it face to face yeah of course but um you know they've got busy schedules so you could just go to LA and like harangue people. Yeah. So but it's other doors. It's about a mixture. So I still obviously have all of my like industry people, but the reason why I mentioned those like dream guests is because they are to all intents and purposes inaccessible. So they're kind of the ones that you have to put in years of work to get hold of. Whereas I still have my people in the business and the industry that I yeah. really like chatting to, so Oh, I'm so thrilled you chatted with I'm me. I'm glad that you're on the show. <laughs> Going to link you to your Netflix and hangover now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> For all of the links, please do head to the show notes on iTunes and emmaguns.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the show with Emily Johnston, aka Fashion Foie Again, if you want to get in touch with me, it couldn't be easier. Just go to emmaguns.com, click the envelope, send me a message, and that will come directly to my inbox and it will be me getting back to you. You can also follow me or get in touch with me on social media. I'm at emmaguns on Twitter and at emmaguns on Instagram. And if you have enjoyed this listening experience, then I please do encourage you to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Thank you once again, and I'll be back next time with another fabulous guest.